Greetings, students, and welcome to another fun-filled day here at Horror in the Halls. <laughs> What's up, kids, and welcome to Horror in the Halls. I'm Bob, a.k.a. Mr. Holland. And I'm Jenny, a.k.a. Mrs. Hill. And we're just two high school teachers talking about the spooky stuff we love. And it's a new month here, and with that, a new lesson plan. February is Black History Month here in the Halls, and to start us off in this week's lesson, be our victim. As we discuss 1992's classic, Candyman. Yes. Yes, I love this movie. I do, too. I was really surprised, because I have never seen it. So, I loved it. I know, that's why I was like... Yeah, we got to do Candyman. As soon as you said I've never seen it, I was like, yeah, that's it. I don't know why I've never seen it. I don't either. Oh, I'm weird. It's great, though. I mean, Candyman's a good one. So let's get to the deets, and then we'll get we'll get into it. So Candyman, again, was released in 1992. Um, came out September 11th, 1992 at the International Film Festival. And then wide release in October 16th, 1992. That's a good release date for a horror movie. Like, right before oh, Halloween. Yeah. That's like sweet spot. Uh, runtime, 101 minutes. Directed by Bernard Rose, who's considered a pioneer of digital filmmaking. He was kind of one of the earliest ones. You know, he's best known for directing Paper House, Candyman, of course, Historical Romances, Immoral Beloved, and Anna Karina. Or Karina. I don't know why I said it. Karina. Karina. There you go. So I knew mm-hmm. you would know. Uh, he also wrote the screenplay. This is actually based on The Forbidden by Clive Barker, which I love Clive Barker. So that yeah. part partially came kind of was what piqued my interest originally because i super love cloud barker cinematography by anthony b richmond which he did a really good job yeah had a had a budget of eight to nine million dollars somewhere in there the box office was 25.8 so i think that's pretty good for 1992 oh yeah absolutely had a 79 percent on rotten tomatoes with a 63 percent audience score which i feel like should be higher but i'm sure there's reasons for that it's 3.7 on letterboxd which is i mean i I feel like that's pretty good yeah 3.7 did letterboxd only go to four I'm not sure. It might. Uh, yeah, I don't I use know. it a lot, so I don't know. But yeah, if only I don't even know this answer, yeah. and I oh, yeah. have failed him. That's fine. Because <laughs> he uses it all the time. I did too. I use I Goodreads. So. I don't use it at all, so. <laughs> I don't trust critics' opinions of things because they are ridiculous. I only go by my own. Because if people use it, I think he just likes to log reasons. all the movies that he's watched. Yeah, yeah. I That's thought about doing really- that. It's, it was too too much. It was just so many movies. I was like, I don't have time for this. That's just a hobby of his. It's like an yeah. extra thing to, to add. He just likes it. It's funny. That's fine. I'll have to ask him. Hey, Johnny. Uh, great cast of this. We had we have Virginia Madsen as Helen Lyle. She's playing the female lead. Tony Todd as Candyman, of course. Uh, Xander Berkeley as Trevor Lyle, Heaven's, Heaven's, Helen's husband. He's a jerk, but great character. I mean, great actor, cool. rather. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa Williams as Anna Marie McCoy. Cassie Lemons as Bernadette. And, of course, there's a whole lot of people that those are, like, kind of your main cast members there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dewan Guy as Jake. Jake plays kind of a good role. He's cool. Uh, great film. I really loved it. So many interesting things in this movie. So let's give you a quick thing. If you've not seen Candyman, which, again, Jenny hadn't seen it, so I guess it's not unheard of. But for me, that's so shocking. Uh, essentially, the plot, while researching urban legends, uh, a University of Chicago graduate student which is helen lyle learns of the candy man a spirit who kills anyone who speaks his name five times you know not to be confused with bloody mary you say his name five times not three in front of a mirror she learns of a recent murder at the cabrini green homes public housing project and two dozen others that have been attributed by locals to the candy man of course she's skeptical her and her friend go to repeat the candy man's name in the mirror nothing happens and then it progresses from there as you probably guessed he eventually shows up because you know it's a horror movie called candy man yes um I I love this movie. Um, I know there's a lot of back and forth views on it based on some of the um, racial undertones and how some of it was taken and, of course, the area and a lot of um, just kind of not directly forefront, but a lot of the under underlying kind of uh, subtext of the film. But I don't I love it. I think it's a great movie. I think Tony Todd is a phenomenal phenomenal actor and his voice in this and his presence um just lends to such a yeah he's so ominous you know it leads me to one of my first fun fact of the day apparently the original casting choice for this was going to be eddie murphy oh no that would not have been good no not at all and the director was like no he's too short thank god 
that he's so short. Oh, like, so we need someone imposing. Yeah, Eddie Murphy's only like, let me see here. I wrote it down because, like, why, why would you pick? Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Murphy's only five nine, so they chose Tony Todd for his height mostly because he's yeah, six foot five. And not to mention, he's so well known for his comedy that I don't think that people would have taken that movie as seriously. No, it'd have been a commercial they, flop. Yeah, it wouldn't have made as much money. I don't think. I, I mean, think people it, might hate me, but I every mean, time he does serious, he's trash. Because he's funny, he needs to yeah. stick with funny. It's yeah. it's okay. Some people are just better at that stuff. You know? Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad actor all around, but he's not. I don't think I don't. I can't see him being a killer in a movie. So I'm really glad it would not yeah. did not go to him. But yeah, what'd you think? Well, I loved it. I there are so many good um, aspects of this movie that I thought were so well done. Um, like when we get to the rubric, like I've, like I, I feel like it's gonna score high in my in my eyes. But I don't really know how you feel about it. But um. Between, like, the music, the characters, um, the storyline, like, the writing was well done. Um, I like the urban legend um, take on Candyman. Um, I also like, I'm noted, because you talk about, like, um, the urban setting. I think that they did it justice because it shows the racial unrest between, you know, people's, you know, plight, you know, because I being that I, I taught in an urban setting for the first five years of my career, I, I got to see things and hear things that to me should be at the forefront. And I thought they just did a really good job at taking a huge look at that and and making it making Candyman more um like he said, he he kept calling them the, his his followers because they were so scared of him. Yeah, or his congregation. His congregation, yeah, like he had to keep his name alive to stay alive, basically. Yeah. So I just really, I I just thought it was just so well done, and um, I, I appreciated a lot of the the shots and the music oh, and the yes. characters, like it's and the graffiti work and like just the the grittiness of the Cabrini Green and like I just thought it was all just so well done. Like there's a good juxtaposition between Cabrini Green and her apartment complex, which yeah. was like more high end, but it was the same, essentially the same layout, same apartment complex, except it was made better. Yeah. And they do a lot, a good job of using gentrification and like just how Chicago was to talk about like, you know, the trauma of slavery being painted over during the reconstruction and just mm-hmm. how it was kind of Caprini green was built as because, I mean, it's a real place, or it was. It's gone now. I think it was torn down in 2011, I think. Um, there was a ton of rampant crime there. A lot of yeah. this movie is based on an actual murder that took place in Cabrini Green and how the person committed it is all, like, based in fact. Like, okay. the woman... Um, I didn't know that. The woman that the two... I can't remember her name right now. The two cleaning ladies talk about being murdered in Cabrini Green where the guy came through her mirror. Ruthie Jean? Yeah, Ruthie Jean. That's a real murder that actually happened. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So the guy in the movie who calls himself Candyman, the one that beats up Virginia Madsen's character, mm-hmm. is based on what they did was they used spaces between the units in the building to squeeze through and break in apartments that way. So he actually did oh, come okay. through the medicine cabinet. Because if you don't never built a house or never changed on a medicine cabinet, you just cut a hole in the wall and shoved that cabinet in. Yeah. Well, so I told Johnny that this morning. I yeah. was like, I would be so upset if I was that close to my neighbor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, he goes, Jenny, we've lived in so many apartments. We probably weren't that close to our neighbor. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's so terrible. I'd say every apartment close. you've probably ever been in, the room, the one across from you, if you share a bathroom wall, if you took out your medicine cabinet, you could knock on their drywall. Like, that's where they're at. That's how close it yeah, is. Yeah, no, I could, that's creepy to me. And apparently in the real crime, and like I may, be, I may have read it incorrectly, but from what I was reading and looking into, these group of, of young men were squeezing themselves through the, the spaces between and going into apartments that way. And they broke in and murdered that woman like legitimately in Cabrini Green. That's a real place. So it was cool that they, they showed that and how they, how they used it as the setting to kind of speak about it. Cause when they built that, it was supposed to be like a nice housing project where I could live and build this like community or whatever in low income housing. And then it became like, we just ignore it. Let's, you know, it's where we shoved all the, all of the black people we don't, that we don't want to deal with. Right. For all the society in the area. So I think personally, they did a good job of that, especially taking a, a character that was originally white because the Candyman man in cloud Barker's story is not a black person. Like he gets a lot of heat for like, stealing from african-american folklore but he's like have you read my story it's a white person Candyman's made up clive barker made this up it's not an urban legend they just kind of you know ran with it for the film and they did a good job because you're essentially taking a british story again 
it take I think the book takes place in Liverpool. Like there's nothing American about it at all. Clive Barker's not, okay. you know what I mean? Like everyone, I was just referring to the where they're writing their thesis and they're talking about urban legends. That's kind of yeah. where I. That's why I liked. I thought that part was kind of cool. But I thought all that's cool. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And like, but they used there was a lot of actual crimes and murders that took place at Cabrini Green. So they kind of used that to build upon this lore and this story because i mean this 1992 was the same year as the la riots right after rodney king it was all right there so racial tension okay. in america was as high then as it is now or after like yeah. george floyd and things like that that kind of racial mm-hmm. tension that we experienced here uh in america was maybe not as as strong then because of the internet and social media and all that jazz wasn't as prevalent yet but it was pretty it was pretty widespread especially in that in that those regions those more urban areas so i thought they did a really good job of um tapping into that to yeah, use and it I, I like that they didn't shy away from it because i feel like if they had the movie wouldn't be as well done as it was because I mean, it it's real life. Yeah, like that's not it's not a it's not made up for folklore. People do live like that, and they still do. Like, oh yeah, that means it, every shot of Cabrini Green's real. Yeah, and then well, and you, if you just think about going downtown Louisville, even yeah. here in Kentucky, like it's not it's not a walk in the park. Like a yeah. lot of people are afraid to go down there, and I've I've had students that you know have lived have lived in those areas or died in those areas. So like it's no joke like so i feel like when they when they use those settings it's important because it's showing the actual rawness and reality of what the situation is so i think the between the lore and the reality of it it just made it a really well-rounded film i agree i agree i mean it's um before i get into the shots and stuff like there was an interesting another interesting fact so they actually use all the exterior and hallway shots in the early part of the movie are actually a cabrini green they had to pay okay. off the gangs who control Cabrini Green to be allowed to shoot there oh, and okay. to also right. protect them. All those gang member extras at the beginning are legitimate gang members who were like, "Hey, put us in this movie." Who lived from basically who lived in the area, who lived in the in in the green. So I think that was really interesting. There was also like apparently towards the end of them being there, like someone shot their recording truck, and it was like they had a couple of issues, but for the most part, they were allowed to film there. Because the gangs that controlled the buildings said it was okay. Okay. Which is kind of crazy. That is really interesting. Yeah. So all those early shots of her, like when you first see Virginia Madsen's character of Helen go to Cabrini Green, that actually is Cabrini Green. The guy's like hanging out and that's them. Which I think is interesting because like I, I read something about all the stereotypes and all these tropes and how they were dressed. But according to what I was, uh, my research says, those people are just wearing their own clothes. They weren't dressed yeah. by the theater. They just wanted to be in the movie. It was like, hey, I mean, we'll protect you. I mean, it was 1992. You. A lot yeah. of the clothes they were wearing made sense. I don't. I think And especially... plus if you're in a poor area too, like, yeah. you're going to have a mixture. Like, some of them are going to be dressed a little bit better because they're a little bit higher on the totem pole than some of the other, you know, people. Yeah. You know what I think I'm saying? So it's, yeah. I thought it was interesting that they actually filmed there because that place was pretty notorious. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. That's really interesting. Yep. Although that's your that's your stuff that you're supposed to research, so I didn't know that's that. That's right. That's what I do. I'm just supposed to watch a movie and make comments. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that opening scene? Which I think in '92 it was pre-drone, so it's probably a helicopter shot of them flying over Chicago with that awesome music playing. So I I put that under my music section. Um, I thought that the music because I put the aerial shot with the music it starts in the beginning it's just it's beautifully done like I, yeah. you get a true sense of like where they're at what kind of area like there's urban setting there's there you know there's some rundown places there's it's busy it's bustling there's people everywhere there's cars driving around but then you also have this music or it's kind of like spooky synth and then it turns into a choral piece with organ and that piece stays consistent all the way through the movie and that's really the only thing i remember music wise but i thought that if it wasn't for that music i like i i really loved that part like and i made note that it stayed true through the film and that um it made the movie more beautiful and more and more like suspenseful or scary um but then i liked that those pieces were used at certain points in the film, they 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 made sure to to keep putting them in and in, in important parts. 
Well, yeah, they used Philip Glass, which is, he's wildly regarded as one of the most influential composers of the 20th century. Like well, he, did he did a, did a wonderful a, job. And apparently in this, for him to do this score, he only used a piano, an organ, and he used those kind of haunting um, vocal ensemble to get those sounds. And that's it. There's no yeah. strings. There's nothing. It's just those instruments. And I think he did awesome. Like I said. Um, I don't think it needed instruments. No, he did a great job. Tony Todd referred to it as uh, gothic uh, elegance. That's what he called yes, it. Yes, absolutely. The, the score. And I think Tony Todd, using him as uh, to play Candyman, he he is also very elegant. Even though he is very like very um, an ominous like type character and very frightening, he's also very elegant. And like it, it, he doesn't seem grow like the grotesque until he shows his hook. Yeah. Like other than that, like yeah, he's, he's got his he, nice jacket on and his collar yeah, and, and his voice. His voice like, is. Oh my gosh, I love his voice. I would venture I to, to say to all, day. all day long. He has one of the most <laughs> recognizable voices of any actor. Yeah, and I loved his lines. His lines yeah. were so precise and very direct and deliberate. And I think that I, I liked that he wasn't too flowery. He was like he it was he was who he was, and he had his spe- he had specific things that he said that, yeah. that you just don't forget. You know, like that's the one I love Freddy Krueger, but he's so flowery and like he talks, yeah. he just talks all the time. Like, but you remember specifically what, because I remember that very, the, one of the very first notes I made about it is he, he says, I came for you. He just yeah. continuously says, I came for you. Be my victim. I came for you. I guess it's like, oh my gosh, it's so creepy, but it's so good. Well, it's very much, I think that is attributed to me is when you know something is based on an author's work versus just trying to make a movie. Yeah. Because Clive Barker, like, like Pinhead is very much like that as well. With those very much like, you open the box. Like those yeah, kind of like, you know, those statements, but are taken as like, oh, okay. You know, and this is, again, it's not so much a horror movie. It has more of um, like a thoughtful, dreamlike, dark romance feel and not a cheesy slasher. Yeah, like how you know and like some of the other ones are like michael myers slasher freddy he's a funny slasher jason slasher all those movies of that time the early you know mid late 80s 90s you know scream all that stuff that came out after this they're all just straight slashers there's not a lot of this this is more like i said that dark romantic that you know that kind of i'm here for you you know what i mean because especially when they get into his lore of why he became who he was you know because i love that part they hint on that whole like how interracial relationships were highly frowned upon even in the 90s early 90s it was still not looked on as it is now where it's and in some circles it's still looked upon negatively but in most urban areas people don't care you know what i mean like i don't don't care what color person you're with you know what i mean like it's just be happy yeah. you know but like like for instance i have a cousin whose wife is is is, is black and she's awesome you know, he's awesome. But when they first got together, a lot of people looked at that very negatively, like in yeah, our right. family and around. And I'm like, why do y'all care, man? Just let them be happy. You know, it's like just who they love. Exactly. You know, saying and they got kids. It's awesome. Life's great. They've been I mean, they've been together a long time. Like my mom is like one of the younger ones. I think his Nick's mom is one of the either second oldest, I think third oldest. So like he's he's not a ton older than me, but old enough to where they were probably married when I was still like a teenager. So I'm like, why does that matter? Why do y'all care? You know what I mean? Like, so it was interesting. Yeah. As long as they're happy and they're the, they have a healthy relationship. Why does it matter? Yeah. But there, well, there was like a scene there's, it yeah. was such, it was so prevalent at this time period. There was actually, there was a, uh, essentially a, there's a, a scene, you know, the end when they're holding each other and they're spinning, it was supposed to be longer where he kissed her and the studio was a little nervous about the interracial romance and made him cut it out. Hmm. See, that, that's yeah. terrible. I mean, yeah, it's I, I, it's so stupid. And but again, I, I guess I can see where they would be worried about it. And but they're trying to make money. Yeah, is what it is. About. And that, yeah, that's all they care about. And they did so make like money. stepping on toes would not have been too good. But essentially, like that was his storyline. He fell in love with a white lady, and she fell in love with him, and then that's where it all spun out from. So, that's where we're well, at I mean, at. in America, white people don't like to be reminded of slavery or pointed out to us of how wrong it is. Well, it is. It's yeah, terrible. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's well, like, like we you sold. can't, you cannot ignore facts and history because yeah. that's what it is. It's our history. Well, we saw recently that there was like, um, not recently, in the last probably five years, of them tearing down the Confederate statues and people are so mad about it. Like, oh, you're racist on history. It was a horrible time. 
that we should we should not forget, but we should not glorify. No, absolutely not. You know what I mean? So I think they did a good job with this. It's like because even though there was some criticisms about you know like racial stereotypes and things like that and the white fright and all that, which is definitely apparent, especially for the time, they took a black man, made him the killer, but not like overtly like a character. They made him an elegant, powerful. Yeah. Like almost like an entity more so because he's supposed to be like this ghost that's being like his whole thing is remember me so I I survive you know and they they yeah. hint on that they they explain that more in the new version of Candyman which is not bad but nowhere near as good as this one I think but they they kind of hit on that a little bit more as to why he has to be remembered to stay alive and that's interesting and it's cool they touch on it here as he talks about it, like he gets mad at her because you made them no longer fear me so like my congregation has forgotten me you know and he kind of wants to remember yeah. that i think that's why at the end like you know he dies or whatever and she takes over luckily they didn't continue that story i don't want to see a horror franchise done with virginia madsen but um although i did like that ending yeah it was cool lot. it was cool. only because of trevor deserved what he got yeah he did yeah he <laughs> i did. was like i hate you so much so yeah like we were saying it starts off she's researching them she ends up saying the word. She goes to the green. She talks to people, gets more context, more information about the killings there. And you see the people who are so scared of Candyman. Um, we get that really cool scene where she finds, you know, uh, Jake, the boy who takes her to the bathroom where a kid was oh apparently gosh. castrated and murdered or something. Mm -hmm. And there's like what looks to be written in feces, sweets for the sweet, you know, which is a pretty well-known Shakespeare line from Hamlet. And she's looking around, y'all, the bees are in there. And then she gets attacked by, and this is the other part that alludes to that original murder as the gang okay, that, yeah. call, that called himself the Candyman. And he was the one that actually apparently killed Ruthie the woman. Jean. Yeah, he killed Ruthie Jean. It was that guy that beats her up, not actual Candyman. But he was, you know, yeah. playing the role of Candyman with his, you know, well, trench coat and hook and everything. It was, um... They were saying that she kept hearing things in the walls. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that wouldn't have been Candyman. He would have just appeared. But like. Yeah. They were tying it into that real killing where they came through. Yeah, her that makes sense. Yeah. So that make that makes it. If I had known that beforehand, that would have made more sense to me. Because I think that section, I was like, is that who? Because I remember her having that discussion with the investigator on the case. And he was like telling her that this is the guy that's been committing all these mur these like heinous murders. Yeah. And we just didn't have anything dependent on. And it's better if we have you your statement well, than yeah. the little boys yeah so is they're gonna believe a white lady yep exactly and also, i you know yeah. it's, it is what it is sadly yeah <laughs> but know. You know, it, it makes more sense too though because if you're in a community that truly fears him mm -hmm. no one in cabrini green is saying candy man in a mirror five times absolutely not you know what i mean not, like no one there is enough. bringing him there that he has no. that reverence of fear but i think that's what kind of ties back is that person and that again they hint on that in the new movie that guy is killing people using the name, keeping the fear of the name Candyman, thus keeping his um, spirit alive, so to say. Which I think is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I thought that was really, um, is a really cool tie-in with like urban, like an urban folklore, you know? I agree, like, I loved you know, it. Like, yeah, I, just, I, just, I loved it. And I liked I loved the murals and stuff too in the film. I thought the murals were really well done. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, and then the one where it's like his open mouth and his yeah. the big eyes, like I was like, that's that's good. I really like that. Um, it's one of the most memorable scenes, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Just the crawling pictures. through the mouth and it comes out. You know, that's an amazing scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's there's so much visually prominent things in this movie that are so good. Like the way they the way it's shot, the way the angles, how they there's a cool effect. It has some film noir vibe. Like anytime you see her being put in the trance, you get that just that beam of light across her eyes. So there's a focus on them. I I made note of that. I was like, it's got some Morticia Adams vibes. Yeah. Like they, they they did that lighting around her eyeballs that I really liked, or like you know Bella Lugosi Dracula or something. But I always like those um, bright around the eyes and like dim around the rest of the face. I was yeah. Like, well, that's a very yeah. film noir kind of take on it. Yeah. You know, like, there's another fun fact here. You know how her eyes look vacant every time he's talking to her, right? Like she's being put in mm -hmm. a trance. She legitimately is in a trance. The director took her to a hypnotist and she was hypnotized to respond to a trigger phrase. Every time the director says it, she's in a trance. Like apparently it got it got really? so bad. Yeah, apparently, and she said in interviews, it got so bad that towards the end, she told him, I cannot do this anymore. 
because she would not remember anything. She said she could. Oh, that's crazy. She couldn't hear anyone else. She didn't know what was going on. The only voice she would hear would be the director's, and she could see the lights, and that's it. Everything else was oh, hazy no. and wild. I wouldn't yeah. like that either. That's kind of scary. But it made for those scenes looking phenomenal. Like, it looks like she's legitimately in, like, a trance by him because she is. And I think that's, that's kind of really wild. That's really interesting because yeah. I feel like the last few movies we've done, some of these actresses have done the most for yeah. their roles. And I'm like, <laughs> I would not be buried alive. I would not have gone into a trance. Oh. I don't want to do any of that. No, absolutely not. I think she did a good job. Like, I love Virginia Madsen. Um, yeah. Especially at this time period. I mean, she has like a, a, she's very, very beautiful. So her face, the shape has that, she has that Angelica Houston, like otherworldly she beauty. She has very face. expressive eyes. Yeah. And I think that was important to the story. Yeah. Is her like, having those expressive eyes. She was another person that had she not been available. And I'm so happy that she was that they, their second choice was Sandra Bullock. Oh no, I love yeah. Sandra, but no. This movie would have been. She's another terrible. one that plays a lot of comedy. Yeah. I know, I know she's gotten some new ones, but I have not seen them. Well, she started more serious. Some movies like Speed and stuff like that. She wasn't comedic at the yeah. beginning of her career. Oh no, I did like Speed. Could you imagine how bad this movie would have been though, with movie. Eddie Murphy and and Sandra Bullock in it though? Oh, absolutely not. It would not have done. It would not have been the same movie. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh no. But yeah, but yeah, I thought it was really cool that they did that. I really enjoyed. Um, all the sets, right? Because you start at the green, you see the graffiti. It's mostly gang graffiti and people's names and stuff. But then when you get into his like lair, you know, where she goes up to the floor and it looks like a gothic church almost. Like they're paying reverence mm -hmm. to this character. This like an altar up there. Yeah, this true urban there. legend. Like yeah. it's almost like they're so scared of it. They're trying to appease him, right? Like, hey, let's yeah. lay out something for the spirit of the candy man so he doesn't come kill us, which I think is interesting. It is. I, I loved that area though. And then she's looking at all the murals and she's looking at the um right above the altars that big picture. Like it's just all Yeah. Looks, it's really good. Really good. It's really yeah. good. It was. I think it was done very well. It's. They did a good job building lore because, like I said, you're taking a character. There was no lore for this, so they, I think they did a pretty good job um, building up the lore for this because there. It was again written by a white British man based in Liverpool about a white killer, and it's a made up urban legend. There is no real story behind it, and I think they did a really good job. I like that, that it started off as an oral tradition and there was no written explanation of him per se. And throughout the, like, even at the beginning, you have the one girl that's explaining the, the lore behind him, like, and like the two kids at the beginning. And then she just happens upon the lady that is cleaning the classroom. And she's like, oh, well, I have a friend that knows about it. And then she brings it in. She just talks about Ruthie Jean being murdered, but she's like, I don't know about no candy man. Yeah. Like she's not, she's not about to tell it. Cause she's not stupid. She's not going to keep, talking about it because she doesn't she's too scared which also plays on the fact that he ha he is stronger with the more fear that there is and then as the movie progresses then you get to meet the stupid academic dude i cannot remember his name nor do i care to because i did not like him with the long hair guy yeah he was very um arrogant which yes. I, he put me off so hard but he did tell that story and i thought that his addition to the lore was interesting and i'm glad the one thing that they didn't do that I'm glad they didn't do is show a like a flashback to that scene of him, like of the like where he came from. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. a flashback of like, you know, where the lore began. I, I think I appreciate it more because it was an oral telling of it. Yeah, well never watch Candyman two and three then. Yeah. Because they do that in the other ones. Yeah, I don't I don't I think it takes away sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, but I feel like in this one, it would have taken away. Cause yeah, I, I feel like a lot of times, most of our lore is based on oral tradition because it's just, it's just stories passed down from generation to generation well, yeah. and then it gets written down. I mean, so I all like, I all like folklore is like, I think all yeah. folklore is, is oral tradition. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it was really good. And that's why I think the two and three are not bad movies. They're nowhere near as impactful or good as this one is. Yeah. They just don't have it. You know what I mean? Like it's because you get a lot more about his lore. And sometimes when I, it's hard for me to, remember when i've seen so many so long ago which one had those pieces in it they touch on why he became Candyman in this one but you don't get the full details like later on there's flashbacks about the bees okay. and stuff about how they covered him in honey after they beat him and lynched him essentially and um it's interesting 
great character. It's a great oral tradition. It really ties into the dark history of America that we try not to talk about, which I think was a good replacement for like Liverpool. Because the original story, you know, Clive Barker talks about it. It be, it is about segregation, but it's more based on class segregation yeah, and not race. Whereas in America, it's race and class, right? And you see that those ac- those academics with their upper, like, oh yeah, we're professors. And then you go to like the residents of the green, like they even kind of show it at the college with the two people from the Cabrini Green being like the cleaning ladies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, well, and it also shows the importance of the men opposed yes. to the women. Yes. That was a good, uh, that, that also shows like the importance between like male and female, you know, like who, who, who's a little bit more, who's more revered in the academic setting Yes, at that level. So, well, I think you, you don't see any female professors. Like she's a graduate student. Her husband yeah. is a professor. His friend is a professor who talks to her like she's dumb. He's already written a story about Candyman. He's hoity-toity. So it, it was a very good, like I said, a very good depiction, I believe, yeah. of that kind of dichotomy and that split. It was also a really good visual, visual visualization of the racial inequality in Chicago at the time. Yeah. As anyone who watches it today who's never seen it, if you're appalled by the way Cabrini Green looks, that was really how it looked. It wasn't a film set. They didn't make that up. That wasn't like a um, a stylized version to make it look worse. That is how it looked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I that, think people, people forget that. Yeah. I think people forget that, you know, those places actually exist. They still exist <laughs> like, in New York. They're you know not. I mean? Yeah. They're not. That This is not meant to like degrade anyone. This is just to shed light on what it looks like. Yeah. And when, when you live in a place like, like here, like Louisville is, it's a big-ish small city i guess and we had projects back in the day they tore most of them down now but our projects looked like apartment complexes they weren't sky Mm -hmm. like high tower buildings of just people crammed into them to get them all in one area you know what i mean like that building you see how tall it is that was really green green. it's a huge building tons of units you know there's there's you read some of the stories about it 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 got to one of those places where police didn't come you call for help screaming police didn't show up no one helped you. You were on your own. They, you know, gentrification took over. They would build up areas that was not there. You know, so it was a really good, com- I think, a commentary on that. And maybe a little bit of a clumsy commentary at points. Um, but I think it was a good, he did a good job of portraying the character. I don't think he made Candyman a character. He's a very strong character. Very memorable. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they kind of did that Dracula thing where, like, she looks like the woman he loved so he's like i'm here for you like he's trying to make her be with him forever which i think yeah. is was kind of romantic and cool at the same time yeah i i agree with that because i think that's why i liked it so much it's it had that feel to it um, yeah because he doesn't even show up halfway through the film no I, well, I told johnny that because he came home i said he 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 worked kind of late and i was watching it by myself and he walked in i said man i still haven't seen him yeah yeah you, like i've only heard him, him i haven't seen him like glimpses when she's telling that story the the students telling her that how the Candyman killed her like he's in the mirror but you don't see him in regards to Virginia Madsen's character until about halfway through the film yeah and I don't really realize that she looks like like the reincarnated version of his his beloved until like it's time for he when he keeps saying like I don't know what he I can't remember what he said I wish he I would tells have her I'm here down. for you I'm here for you. He does say I'm here for you, but he yeah. says something else, like something like they're like talking about their union or something, yeah. and he needs her to like accept it or I don't know. But like I, I thought all that was very ominous, but it was also very beautiful how that was done too. So and how she calls on him, she's like, I can call him right now. I mean, you want me to? Yeah, let's get him in here. And I was like, Oh no, don't call him because this is not going to end well for you. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, no, it's a great film. I love the use. Of, this is my, my favorite part. Apparently, Tony Todd said he was stung 26 times over the three movies, but the majority of them was in the first one. And he somehow negotiated a $1,000 bonus for every time he was stung. He should have. He made $26,000 for being stung by bees. So apparently, he- in the first one, they used real bees. They brought a man in to essentially make an apiary on the on the roof to, so they could use juvenile bees that were less than a year old because they're more docile. Mm-hmm. And he also apparently created a queen bee pheromone to get them to do what he wanted. So that scene where he just kind of trances out, opens his mouth, and all those bees come out of his mouth, that's not CG. Those are real bees. They put a latex barrier in the back of his mouth and filled his mouth with bees. Absolutely not. I would oh, be yeah. terrified of The that. ones on his chest, well, that is a fully made Can't you develop rig. an allergy if you're st- like stung like that? I'm not sure. 
apparently Virginia Madsen was definitely allergic to bees at the time. So they did their best to keep them away from her. Like they put the pheromone on her as well. So they would not think it was a person and not sting her because she was apparently extremely allergic to bees. Like paramedics had but to be on set on the whole time. Scene. Yeah, but she never got stung because she had the queen bee pheromone on her. Okay. Oh my uh, God, that is terrifying. That's crazy. They had to keep paramedics like right outside the shot in case she was stung. Because she's like one of those like throat close up. Yeah. Die kind of things. Which I think is wild. I, could, I would not. A scene where you have that many bees crawling on you and you know like I could die. Have the EpiPen ready please. Yeah. Can you get like an Epi I... shotgun? I'm going to die. Uh, <laughs> shotgun. Because that was bad. Right so yeah, he apparently got a bonus. Uh, and it said it took half an hour to get all those bees into his mouth. So for half an hour, he sits there, breathing through his nose, because his mouth's closed up with this appliance. Uh, uh, No, absolutely not. That that seems... Okay, first of all, it would feel like you're suffocating. Yeah. And two, that's terrifying to have very vicious... luckily they were they were like i said another benefit of them being so young is they don't have fully developed stingers or venom yeah but the bees are all brand new bees that's also why they're kind of small i do i like bees i don't i'm typically not afraid of bees but i don't want my mouth full of them heck no and the other scene where they're all over his chest that's a real appliance attached to his chest that's where he got stung the most because they didn't like it they essentially covered it in like their comb and stuff and made they made this appliance to where it looks like his rib and stuff and they did not like it so that's when he got stung the that most that is very interesting yeah he did get apparently he said he tells a story i watched this little behind the scenes video one bee did get out past the oral appliance and he said he told the guy he could feel it crawling around in his in the back of his mouth trying to go down the back of his throat he's like, it's crawling nope. around it's crawling around so but he had to finish the scene because it was like your mouth is full of bees dude it's too hard to do so he's sitting there with his mouth open there's a bee crawling on his mouth half an hour of that no i'm good Ugh, oh my god he deserves so many kudos for that because that that is terrifying in itself. I can't is. Well, he gets them tony i mean he's He's widely regarded as one of the like top horror actors. Like you go to a convention and see Tony Todd, his line is stupid long. Everybody wants to meet him because he's Tony Todd. I mean, why not? He's awesome. Yeah, like I never, I've never like I don't pay to meet a lot of people, but I've seen him, and he does have like that regal. He has a very imposing presence. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he just has it, and he's such a good actor. You know, you see him in, in things that aren't horror related. He's he's a very strong presence on and off film. Um, I think he did a great job. I think any random cast of actor would have taken away from what they were trying to say necessarily about what was going on at the time, which I think was been really good. And yeah, like I said, I really like it. I can't, I don't have anything really negative to say about it. Really. I I don't have anything negative either. Um, I can tell you right now that I loved the fact that Trevor died a gruesome death at the end. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) He walked in and of course I I love how they allude and they kind of hint that he's going to be, he's doing something with that girl. Like when you first see him together, you're like, come on dog. He's yeah. Come on. And she, she was a hoe. I was so mad at her. She reached out and was like, hi, I'm blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember her name. I don't even care to remember her name. (laughs) I was just like, you're having an affair with this woman's husband and you're literally going to reach out and shake her hand. What a conniving little bitch. I was pissed. I was like that. That is some next level. Was she Clara or Stacy? I don't know. I don't care. I, don't I, think I it's really Stacey, don't. I, like, I hated her Lowry. character. Yeah, her she's her ridiculous. She threw shirt at the end. Uh-huh. I hope she gets blamed for his murder. Did he? She get blamed? You know she I would. She She's holding a knife the whole time, while buddy. You know she. I did. know. It was great. I was like, that was a deserving end. Like he's sitting there all feeling guilty at the end. I'm like, you should feel guilty, you ass, mm-hmm. because not only did you know that your wife had been in. in an institution for her mental health for over a month. Yeah, she's only been gone a month though. Like in a month, you moved on with a new lady and we're letting her paint your apartment bubblegum paint. Yeah, I know. And that's a horrible that's just I loved that part where she's like, Oh, I hate the color scheme, by the way. Yeah. Throws the paint like, wall. Oh, I'm like, man, I, I at first I really hated Helen, but by the end I loved her. Because I was like, because at first I'm like, you are such a douche. Like why are you doing all these stupid things? Like yeah. you because you don't believe in it and that and it's funny because he kind of alludes that you don't believe in me so yeah, no, who does like what kid has not said bloody mary three times into a mirror at a sleepover you know what i mean like yeah it's urban legend no one believes in that stuff so but i'm like all these people are proclaiming that he is what he is but you're gonna be stupid i would i wouldn't do it it's it's 
Because I just don't like that stuff. Well, you notice her thing but, changes once she gets beat up in the bathroom. But then she kind of, yeah. she she's still not afraid of the supernatural version of it. That's why she goes back after that. Mm-hmm. But she has seen like this, she has a reverence almost because like this thing happened to her. It's pretty yeah. cool. I like this movie. I've had like a, I have a weird thing for like women covered in blood. It's because of this movie. Because like when she's like some of those scenes, she's just, I don't know. I think Virginia Madsen's kind of hot. So I was like, oh, okay. Sub girl. When you get to see her boobs too, two yeah. times. I'm sure in 1992, I was 10. So I probably saw this movie when I was like 11 or 12 on home I mean, my video. titty tally was only at three, but that that was with the stupid see-through shirt at the end. But the like other two times up. were her boobs. Hey, man, when you're, uh, impressionable, nice when you're an impression, like impressionable youth, it's the things you go for. <laughs> um. So, like I said, I loved the ending, and I loved the the almost like the fun- like the pyre at the end where they they set it ablaze with her inside thinking he's yeah. in there but she was um but i love how she sacrificed herself at the end to save the baby and she actually hands the baby to the mother which the i loved the shots of them inside the pyre and him holding her and then all you and then you look out of the from the inside and you see um what's her name Anne Marie, yeah, the baby's Anne-Marie mom standing there, yeah, and she just looks completely lost because her life was her child, and her her child had been gone for at least a, a month, and she thought her child was dead. I would too. I mean, if you think about it. That's your child's gone. Yes, a month. it's terrible, especially in that kind of place. And you saw this crazy white woman killed your dog. You probably assume that she also killed your kid. Yeah, because that was a crazy scene too. I was like, that was a little jarring to me, and I was like, oh dang, he like set her up. Yeah. He was trying to make her be with him, man. Yeah. He's like, well, everyone hates you and thinks you're the worst and you have no one, but you have me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's some creepy stuff right there. I would love you forever. <laughs> and but, uh, and at, he does. And I loved the ending. I, I liked that she like almost staked him at the end and then brought the baby out and saved the baby. And the, and the, the funeral procession where you think no one's going to show up, but them. Yeah, the whole green shows up at the end. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, they're all like marching in through the, yeah. and then they drop the his hook. Yeah, well, because her th- and I was like, oh dang. Think about it. If you notice at the end too, the the ending credits roll over that new mo- uh, portrait of that white yeah. of her with her hair on fire. She becomes like the burning savior of them. Because if you think about it, if Candyman is like this urban legend has plagued your entire world, right, for however yeah. long. To them, especially when they found his charred remains, which is kind of odd because he's supposed to be like a ghost but whatever and his hook she's almost like freed them of that fear and thus she became that character that's why when he says her name five times she shows up you know what i mean so it's, she's going to become yeah. like the the burning woman or something like that like she is a new urban legend that is a continuance yeah. of that other one which some people were critiqued about them kind of whitewashing the end of it but i thought it was really cool and i think kind of again i'm a white person but um not romantic but like did it some justice. I'm glad they didn't show her killing anybody else other than her shitty ex-husband who deserved it. But I liked it. I thought it was cool. Like she does save the baby, I, and they talk about saying. it in like, the new movie, too. I thought it was a cool ending because Trevor deserved that. Yes. yes Wholeheartedly. Yes. Like, I don't give a shit if you felt guilty or not. You should feel guilty because you treated her horribly. Mm-hmm. Like, well, she's just going to hook you at the end. That's fine. And then your And then your little bitch-ass girlfriend is going to go to jail because she got framed. Yeah. For killing no one's going to believe it was a lady in the mirror. No, you're crazy. Yeah. It was weird, <laughs> man. Like, too. um, she got gaslit a lot in this by her husband, by Candyman, And at the end, she kills him and takes his place, which I thought was kind of a nice little full circle situation mm-hmm. at the end. Um, but yeah, so I had nothing really negative to say about this movie. I'm a fan. I've always been a fan since I saw it the first time. Um I did I did forget to mention one person, Ted Raimi's in this movie. He's in that flashback with the girl, the first girl gets killed, which I think is kind of funny. He's looked exactly the same his whole life. <laughs> you look at him now in movies when he makes cameos now, it looks exactly the same. I'm like, dude, you look crazy. Um and there was an ex- another another thing I wanted to add to two cool things. When you see Candyman walking, they took the sound of his footsteps out to add more of that powered by superstition come to life more of that like that he's basically saying that he's not there like he is like this other otherworldly being which i think is kind of cool like in the parking garage when he walks to her and stuff like you don't hear any footsteps ever from him like he's almost not moving and then apparently you don't hear you don't see his mouth moving 
No, he just speaks. And his yeah, voice just has the echo on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bernard Rose, which again is the director, he had Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd take ballroom, ballroom dancing classes to build upon their romantic connection. Okay. So you see them in a, when they're close like that, combined with the trance-like state that she's put in, you get that like really just kind of like you know which i think it was really good yeah he has he definitely has a dracula feel uh yeah sure. yeah yeah and he's a little old now but if they were going to recast dracula and put a black dude i would not be mad they cast tony todd oh heck no i would love it he'd have been a powerful he, dracula he's a little too old yes, now but would. in this time period yeah. i watched it i'm here for it i would have watched it i'm here I'm for it. watch it yeah I, just the way he talks i love vampire movies i mean so. i'd yes, say his voice alone elegant. yeah and his voice alone is like whatever you say okay it, he, yes, it's it's like a I more like a good voice seductive version of Morgan Freeman, where it's like you tell me to do it, I'll just do it, whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, he's yeah, because he has a sexy voice. He's yeah. not like Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is just like I'm gonna tell you what the yeah. story is, and you're gonna sit and listen, and I'm like, okay, I'll listen. I'm saying Morgan Freeman playing the role of God in that uh, Jim Carrey movie is super accurate. Like, yep, that's what God sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I mean Jesus. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, you want to get into the rubric? Yes, the rubric. <laughs> All right, so literary element. Script, story development, dialogue, character development. So the narrative supports all of the ele- literary elements, most of, only a couple, one or none. I'm going 25 on this. Yep. I can't. Too. I mean, it's the script is so good. What it's based on is really good because it's Clive Barker, who I like I said I'm a big fan of. I think his writing is very powerful and just kind of intense and creepy and dark. And it played really well to this. Even changing the setting and the character, the character's race and backstory, I think it just added a whole new level of uh, significance and ominousness, I guess. That's, a, that's not really a word, but it just added that to it and it did not take anything away. So yeah, 100% 25. Yeah. All right. The FX design element. So visual effects elements that connect to the narrative, set design, overall character design, gore, practical effects versus digital. That's a whole nother 25 for me. I mean, the man put bees in his mouth, bees on his chest. Uh, The blood looks good. There is one little thing I would ding it for. The scene when he gets yanked out of the window after killing the doctor, you can see the harness attached to his back. Uh, okay. I didn't like if you look closer in the breaking glass, there's a black cord. You see it. Um, But that I'm not. I'm not really going to ding it. I mean, if not, I'd give it a 24, if nothing. Like, that would be, like, my only ding. Because it's so good. Uh, the bees no, look I good. Like... The gore is and good. And the scene at the end with her, like, crawling out of the flames with the baby. And yeah, she's, like, on, on fire. fire and yeah. Yeah. And you can see her hair just melting away from her scalp. And, like, that looks really yeah. good. And that's His actually built. very Like, a wood. set designer built that that tower. They, it's built with tunnels in it. Like, they made that. That's designed. It's not just a pile of trash. That's cool. Like they had the Chicago, like I watched the thing I watched, they delivered all that trash there. And then the set designer, the lady that also built the cathedral, I think, and did the graffiti or helped with graffiti, went through and they built it out to where there has open spaces and open tunnels. It has supports built into it, which I think is really cool because you don't see anything. It just looks like a big pile of trash she's squeezing through, but it's like that on purpose. There's a spot for the camera and all that jazz. I, I think like the 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 like the focal point through like the the medicine cabinets was really well done and like all the murals and the graffiti and that hole in the wall in his mouth is such a good it's such iconic yeah and the scene where she she closes the curtains in her apartment and she's flipping through the the pictures that she took yeah and she's all drinking like smoking a lot yeah i like that scene a lot too i just I think all of the everything was so intentional, and I like I like it when it's intentional. It's not like just thrown in. It goes back to that film noir kind of aesthetic, which I like. I, I kind of miss that in movies. You, just, you don't see a lot of smoking anymore, but that like how light plays through the smoke and the camera lens, I think ha- adds a really nice element to some scenes, and they did it here too. All right, so two twenty five is there. Let's go on to the visual technical element. So the overall aesthetic of the film is pleasing to the eye. Lighting, creative camera shots, and movement and lens selection. So I just kind of spoke on that a little bit, but from opening to ending, there's amazing shots in this movie. Yeah. Like that opening scene with a helicopter, it's so smooth and it has that creepy music and you get to see, you almost see the transition of Chicago from like the opulence of the city to like the projects being darker and more sparse. Um, Some of those film noir shots, I love them. I love film noir though. I think it's an amazing, often underutilized 
lighting skill that just adds so much drama to a shot, which I'm really a fan of. So for me, it's the aesthetic is definitely pleasing to the eye. The lighting is great. Like those kind of, like I said, those the lighting was really well done. Those highlights sure. of her eyes and how he's portrayed, like kind of dark, but you kind of see this ominous outline. You know, I think it's really good. And even in scenes where it is supposed to be dark and dingy, it just looks really good. Like those candlelit scenes or like when they turn the lights off and he's just there. The only kind of off-putting one I would say is when her character, her her urban legend style character shows up and that weird flash for no reason, like that pulse where she shows up where it's like a strobe. I didn't care for that very much. Um, Other than that, yeah, I'm with it. So what do you think here? I don't have anything negative to say. You going to give another 25? I would. We're about to go with a... Night Run Elm Street Part Part Two here. This is gonna get a perfect score because awesome. I know what I'm about to say with the sound element is perfect. <laughs> like it really is. There's not a single ne- bad use sound in this movie. No, he does it's so all good. Well done. But I think the choice to pick Philip Glass, who is like one of the greatest living composers around, is was genius. You know, I'd say I can't imagine the chunk of bu- budget that went to him because really Tony Todd wasn't a huge actor at the time. So there's no big name in it other than like Virginia Madsen, really. I thought the music was beautifully done. I, that was the first note I made, oh, and yeah. then I and then it kept building on that same score throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie, and it they placed it so well and used fractions of that score throughout the movie. I just think that the way that it stayed consistent and then it also building, I thought it was just they he knew how to score movies. I think of this time period, this is probably one of the best film scores there is. I mean, like it's like you said, it starts at the beginning, it builds, you never lose that same cohesive sound. There's no like, let's throw in some 90s rap songs for no reason. Everything makes a sense, ever makes sense, you know. And I expected that at some at one point that there would be when they got to Cabrini Green. And I'm so glad that they didn't because I feel like that would have taken me out of it because I'm like, they are not that that needed to stay a score because it shows the ominous feeling that you would feel if you dro- drove up to that building. Like I'm not, I, I wouldn't want to walk into that building. No, not at all. You know, and it, and it's all out of safety. And even the people who lived there were afraid to walk into their own building. So yeah. it's not like, so I just think that sticking with the score was ideal yes, in this situation. I agree. And even score alone, like the, the, uh, the kind of ethereal nature they added to his voice really adds mm-hmm. to the scare factor. It gives him that, that, that gothic elegance that creep factor it's he says you're like oh okay you know what i mean it adds to that ethereal urban legend otherworldly nature that he has and that was a good choice i think because Tony todd's voice is very prominent but his voice in Candyman has an effect on it it has that kind of like yeah uh, kind of feel like you know the whole be my victim like it's there and i i love it i think it was so well put um and well used and uh, no one else could have played this character. Like even in no. the newer one, no. it's not as good because it's not him. You know what I mean? Like he is the Candyman, as far as I'm concerned. It's like you say about Freddy. Yeah, it, it's oh, Robert, Robert England. England. No one can yeah. deliver those lines. And when you when you set when you build a character and the actor puts that much of themselves into it, you can't replace that. He's another face killer that's why like in the newer one a little bit was i guess a little spoiler i like how they did it where it was different versions of people become this character it wasn't them it wasn't them saying oh we recast candy man tony todd's candy man is still the candy man he's just that iteration of candy man which i really like because no one will ever replace them no one can ever be tony todd there's not a single actor on the planet that can fill his shoes i don't think so his he has the voice the look and again and as a big person being tall you have that presence i have that state of like i have a presence just like anybody that's my size you're gonna have a presence his is like boom i'm here yeah and he's I six foot five under the radar yeah I'm like, like you I'm, I'm, I'm there if i walk in a <laughs> place elusive. you know it you know and he's the same yeah. that's what i'm saying i'm so happy that they couldn't afford eddie murphy and he was too short because if this movie had eddie murphy in it it would not be regarded as the classic that it is i think it's cool that he kind of towers over her too yes yes and it wasn't he needed to tower over her yeah Yeah. like he he needs to feel more not overbearing is not the word i'm looking for but he just needs to feel he just needs to be larger yes he needs that presence that that That, that, that intimidation that he needs that just that presence really it's just a presence so there you go go guys literary element 25 visual or fx design element 25 visual technical 25 sound element 25 
Candyman gets a Yay. perfect 100 because it's the Candyman. You know, I knew this was going to happen. I said that yesterday. Yeah. I said, um, this one's going to score super high because it was really good. Well, it's a classic. And I think anytime we do a classic, it's going to have multiple things. Because we are looking at it critically and through this rubric. But it also has, but it's actually, no, scratch that. Because you just watch it for the first time. You don't have the nostalgia factor that I do. No. So you're viewing this. And this is actually the best. Because with Nightmare on Elm Street, we both had nostalgia on it. We love yeah. that movie. We were going to score it high regardless, but you just saw it. So this is fresh eyes versus someone that probably watched it in 93. I've seen it a good 12, 15 times. I love this movie. Um, yeah, and I also watched it by myself. Yeah. So I had a different, like, sometimes when I watch stuff with Johnny, I, we tend to talk occasionally through the movie. Yeah. Like, if it's just me and him. And I feel like me watching it by myself, too, added a different element to it. So I, I felt... I loved the story quality of it and how like ethereal it all felt. It yeah. was really, it's just really well done. It has a romance I, vibe. It has a horror yeah, vibe. It, it has a, it has everything that you would need. It's not just, I said, just a cheesy slasher. It's a dark yeah, romance. Yeah, and I didn't get that feeling. Yes, that's what I loved about it. Yeah. I thought like his character I empathized with and I really enjoyed his character. It was so well written and he, Agreed. and he was just beautifully done. Like he did a great job. I would love to meet him. So. I know. Next time he goes to a convention, I may try to. I've always, it's one of those things I've, it's, he's a little pricey because he's Tony Todd. And like I said, I've seen him at conventions. I've only ever paid to meet a couple people. He is one though that I think I probably should before it's too late just because of how impactful he has been on horror mm -hmm. and just film in general. But yeah. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, guys. So I guess we'll, that's it. Candyman got a 100 perfect score. Great film. If you haven't watched it, I'm sorry. Um, we told you all about it, but you should watch it anyway because I don't think we do it the most justice in describing all of the stuff it has. No, it's a beautiful movie. There's a lot of good in it. Shot beautifully, beautiful score, wonderfully acted. Um, couple little, you know, whatever spots like every movie. Every movie has its like down, little down kind of points, but it, they pick up immediately. Um, There's great insight into what into the racial tensions tensions of the early 90s i think it's good to look at these things sometimes we think that our current period is the worst ever but it's good to look at and see that we thought that in 92 as well um and you know there's ebbs and flows and i think this was one of those this was definitely worth checking out i'm really glad we started our black history month series with this because i think this is like me too the one of the earlier ones most prominent and it's easy to look at things today like um and say oh well that's because of this but racial tensions were just as high then I think as they are now, especially in like LA area, like right after Rodney King was wild. I mean, LA riots had happened the same year. I want to say this was after the LA riots. It's the end of the year. So like all that was taking place at the same time. Yeah. So it's a really good insight to the views of things at the time. Um, and while it does have some criticism for some of the, the racial undertones and the interracial stuff and some of the white fright, I think it really has a very prominent message it's very strong. It doesn't portray, to me, the black people in the movie as characters. You know, they are who they are, you know. And I think as long as you can look at it through the lens of 1992 and not 2023, you see that that was like not maybe maybe a closer than what we sometimes want to admit view of some of the areas. Um, but I also like that you have those kind of those gangster people, but then you have just the hardworking people that live in the building, right? Yeah, it's not like that the gang members don't represent the community no they're just the a part of is, it yes yeah, it's, it's a small part of it actually because you have so many people that are working and working hard and don't want that lifestyle for their children and that and Anne marie was a good representation of that because she when you walked into her home it was very warm and welcoming and she had she had her dog but her dog was a, a means of security yeah and then she her she wanted the best life for her son she said he's all i have and i, I don't want him to end up you know victim of all the stuff going on and she yes. really just meant she didn't want him to become part of that gang activity and i feel like a lot of even like just seeing you think about single parents single women with their with their children or, or grandparents with their grandkids, they don't want that lifestyle for their kids. No, it's no. just, it is generational a lot of time because of p poverty, but essentially they they come from hardworking people. And mm -hmm. I like, I like that they touched on that. Anne Marie was a good addition to the movie. I believe so. I think, well, it's, it's a good juxtaposition. She's a strong yeah. character. It got to see, mm -hmm. like you just said, this is a, she's just a hardworking single mother who's doing the best she can to give the best life to her child. It doesn't paint every single black person as a gang member in the movie like some movies do. Doesn't and her friend Bernadette was was black. 
Yeah, yeah, and she was oh, I mean, also a graduate student. So it, it has both. There's a little bit of things, and like I said, there's some things you can take away from it and some stuff that, of course, we're never going to inherently understand because we're both white people. Yeah. But I think overall, it's a great film. It's, it has a, a it will have a forever lasting impact on horror and film all alone, right? I think if you look at this, not even from a horror movie standpoint, because like I said, there's not a, the character of Candyman is not even in it for half of it. It's just a beautiful movie. It's got a beautiful yes, score. It's got some beautiful cinematography. It's well-written. It's based on a really good story by Clive Barker. Um, so, yeah, guys, definitely check it out. Um, and hopefully, like I said, with this being a new month, we do have a new book. You should already know the announcement, so hopefully you're reading along with us. And, yeah, we'll uh, we'll sound like we're going to get out of here. What do you think? Anything else you want to add before we head out? Um, I can tell us where to find uh, everybody where to find us. Yeah, tell them what the book is and then tell them where to find us. Okay, the book is uh, My Soul to Keep, and I want to say her name and I want to say it correctly, but I'm probably going to butcher it. But it's Tananarive Do. I might have said it incorrectly, but um, it is my soul to keep. So sure I'm excited did. to read sure. that one. It's been recommended to me many times, and I still haven't read it. So this is a good time for me to read it as any. There you go. Um, if but you don't follow us on you socials, can... then you'll know. I'll... Yeah, it's like muggling. Yeah. Um, and then I'll actually look up the pronunciation of her name because I think I might have said it wrong, but I tried. Um, so follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Horror in the Halls. You can also follow us um, at Jenny underscore Dreadfuls on Instagram. You can email us at horrorinthehalls at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. All right, guys. And with that, that's going to be the bell. We're going to get out of here. We'll see you next time. Bye.